Chapter 13 of The Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. The Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square by Mrs. Henry Dilla Pasture. Chapter 13 The Little Dinner. You had best wear black grenadine, ma'am, said Dunham. That is light, yet not too light. It is well over the two calendar months now, and you need not mind having an evening dress made simple without any crepe at all. We can go to the dressmaker in Mount Street, who did plain things for my poor lady. She would have liked to know you was employing her, and if I passed her the word as it was something special, she would make you up a plain gown in two days. I thought I should like black velvet, said Jean, but diffidently. It has been almost the dream of my life to have a velvet dress. Well, ma'am, I suppose it is a dream as comes to every woman sooner or later, gentle or simple. Tears upon years, I used to wonder if I'd ever get a silk gown, and no sooner had I got it than I couldn't keep my thoughts off velvet myself, though unsuitable. But you're too young for it yet, Miss Jane, or too young-looking, which comes to the same thing. I want it to be as nice as possible, said Jean anxiously, as it's my first real evening dress, you know, and who would make up a Genoa velvet as it could be made in two days? Besides, it's being nothing at all without good lace, which I daren't give you out, though your poor aunt had plenty put by, without the young master's leave, for it's worth its weight in gold, and he'll be wanting it for his lady one of these days. As is his right, Miss Jane, said Miss Dunham, who always spoke as though she was safeguarding the interests of Louise from any possible inroads his sister might be tempted to make during his absence. No, it must be grenadine and nothing else. So it was grenadine, and when Jean looked in the glass and beheld herself for the first time in an evening gown, she was not inclined to quarrel with the result. In accordance with the Duke's advice, and after consultation with Mr. Valentine, she had induced the servants to refrain from recovering the pictures, and then and thereafter, Jean passed no inconsiderable portion of her endless leisure in the saloons, where she became familiar with the Dutch landscapes so much appreciated by her cousin Denise, and began to like them a little after all. You must receive your guests in the morning room, ma'am, and after dinner it will be something to do to go up to the galleries and look at the pictures, especially as his grace is so fond of them, and to play the piano in the music room, said Dunham, anxiously instructing the frightened hostess. I'm sure nothing could look nicer than you do, Miss Jane. I would please Mrs. Pike if we asked her to step up and see you. When my poor lady was dressed for the opera, or the drawing-room, they was all let to come and look at her. Oh, Mrs. Dunham, I shall never be worth looking at, like poor Aunt Caroline must have been. Even in her sick-room, she was just like a picture, said Jean humbly. That was nothing to what she could look when she had the family jewels on. Are they very beautiful? They're very valuable, ma'am. And it was always a load off my mind when they were safe at the bank as they are now, 
for many's the time i've shook in my shoes thinking how easily we might have our throats cut in our beds if evil disposed persons knew what was in the house jeanne submitted nervously to the ordeal of being exhibited by dunham to mrs pyke and the four housemaids who walked around her in a solemn and awestruck silence not so much afraid of her as of mrs pyke and dunham whose eyes were upon them pyke in her thin tremulous voice expressed her pleasure and admiration but the housemaids knew their place too well to speak at all they made up for this discretion by imparting their opinions afterwards to each other with the utmost freedom nothing but a plain black evening dress hardly even cut low to speak of an old-fashioned grenadine said one disappointed maiden the young ladies in my last place wore the same every night of their lives and we never took any notice but i suppose that old dunham thinks anything is a treat to us said another poor thing said the youngest housemaid she's pretty isn't she with her neck and arms so white and her eyes and hair so dark she has a lovely colour the first housemaid agreed but she's no way with her not a bit just a simple little thing any one could tell she came out of the country and never been nowhere nor seen nobody you take care what you say eliza for mr hewitt told william it's his belief she'll be duchess of monningham one of these days i'm sure i hope she will then said the youngest housemaid sympathetically for she always looks kind and gentle at me as if she'd speak if she dared but that dunham's got her under her thumb i wouldn't be ordered about in my own brother's house if i was in her place no i wouldn't meanwhile jeanne unconscious of the calmness with which her person and the possibilities of her future were being discussed by the younger inmates of the household took her place on the hearth-rug of the morning-room and anxiously awaited her expected guests mr and mrs wog watson were the first to arrive and she stepped forward with some trepidation to greet them her alarm was not diminished by cecilia's first communication made with that rapidity and secrecy which is peculiar to intimate female friendship and quite unsuspected by the tall spectacled gentleman following in her wake who merely beheld a tender prolonged embrace between his wife and her hostess he is in one of his worst moods breathed cecilia in jeanne's ear be very careful what you say jeanne shook hands with mr hogg watson after this warning without daring to lift her eyes to his face and was relieved that he said nothing worse than how do you do and thankful that he immediately turned his attention to the romney portrait over the mantelpiece leaving his wife to make as much of as little conversation as she chose i declare jeanne what a delightful room crammed with hot-house flowers you extravagant creature and all this louis quinze furniture or is it louis sees i never know the difference isn't it charming joseph receiving no response but a grunt to this incautious appeal she nodded and winked expressively at jeanne behind the professor's stooping shoulders and continued her cheerful remarks i do think you are the luckiest person in the whole world never did any one's past contrast so vividly with their present as yours when i remember what you were at coedithel farm in your early days and look at you now jeanne could not help thinking that cecilia presented quite as remarkable a contrast to what she had been in early days as she did herself 
whether she recalled her as a prim little girl in a blue cotton pinafore with a fair pigtail feeding the rectory fowls or as a tall young person in a home-made blue merino and a plain straw hat leading the choir in church and walking with her father to visit school and cottages setting a demure example in neatness to the village girls it seemed equally impossible to connect the memory with the mrs hogg watson of the present cecilia's golden hair was now elaborately waved dressed and perfumed and ornamented by a large diamond star she wore the black velvet of poor jean's dreams but far from thinking it necessary to shroud herself in the old lace which mrs dunham had declared to be an indispensable adjunct she had boldly courted the contrast between the severely cut tight-fitting black velvet and the snowy white of her neck and shoulders modest jean blushed when she perceived so large a proportion of cecilia's charms unveiled and she thought of the horror which would overcome poor mrs davies could she behold her daughter thus excessively decolette but cecilia mistook her friend's anguished glance for envy and smiled inwardly at the contrast presented by her own highly finished toilette to the quiet unornamented gown of the little rustic jean who appeared quite unable to rise to the opportunities afforded her by her brother's fine house and ample fortune i have invited my cousin to meet you cecilia said jean timidly to make a fourth your cousin what cousin i did not know you had a cousin said cecilia with lively curiosity who is he the duke of monaghan the duke of cecilia opened her mouth and was yet speechless he is a very distant cousin but he was related to poor aunt caroline said jean hastily and she has heard the professor your husband mr hodg watson lecture at the word lecture the great man turned round and brought his eyes slowly to the level of jean's countenance as she sat nervously perched on the extreme edge of her aunt's low chair by the occasional table where was that he said i do not think he said where the professor emitted another slight grunt and returned to the picture indeed just what i told you asked cecilia in mute pantomime of eyes and fingers jean made a gesture signifying that it was too early for her to offer an opinion of the professor's character so far she must be content to own that from his appearance cecilia was justified in having described him as an ugly and powerful man of his fascinating qualities he has as yet certainly afforded her no evidence the entrance of the duke relieved jean of much embarrassment cousin denise was at once so quiet so self-possessed and so helpful that she felt her heart expand in sudden grateful recognition of his good breeding he recalled the subject and the occasion of the professor's lecture so pleasantly that the great man's brow cleared for the compliments of a duke even though he be but a young one are usually acceptable to the average britisher and mr hogg watson his learning and celebrity notwithstanding was but an average britisher after all far from being too much shocked by the scantiness of her bodice as jean had almost feared cousin denis might be to even look at cecilia he offered her his arm with an engaging smile when hewitt announced dinner the instant he perceived that jean was at a loss 
and remarking that in the absence of his cousin louise he had been requested to take his place led her across the hall to the great dining-room where the table laid for four persons appeared but as a small island in the midst of a wide sea of parkway flooring jean followed with the professor observing thankfully that his glance at her when he gave her his arm was not an unkind one after all she was by no means so certain of his ugliness a very fine pair of intent grey eyes shone behind his glasses a shock of hair between grey and flaxen fell over his broad forehead and if his nose were surprisingly long and beaky so were the noses she reflected of many great men whilst his massive uneven profile and wide mouth even though rather grim were not destitute of humour long before the end of dinner jean found herself wondering why he had married cecilia if mrs hogg watson had been content to be herself lively talkative inconsequent and more than a little vulgar it is possible she might have succeeded in amusing the duke of monaghan very well but though this end was the object of her constant endeavour throughout the meal she unfortunately missed attaining it through her assumption of a personality which did not belong to her jean who did not know that cecilia was trying to play the role of a smart woman of society listened to her affected coquettish and sometimes risky conversation with a countenance more expressive of surprise and dismay than she knew she did not recognize the type which cecilia was endeavouring from the most superficial observation to emulate and in her simplicity was heartily ashamed of her friend every now and then the professor broke in upon his wife's statements with a flat contradiction but these interruptions however they might embarrass the duke and his cousin jean appeared not to ruffle the complacency of cecilia in the slightest degree my husband is never happy except when he's travelling duke and i am afraid i am a shockingly old-fashioned wife said cecilia archly for i often go with him instead of staying at home where i should have a much better time now shouldn't i i dislike travelling more than anything in the world growled the professor breaking off his remarks to jean and casting a look of positive dislike across the table at his communicative spouse ah so you say but facts is facts and enough we have but just returned from south america and we are going to spend the summer in berlin i am not going to berlin stated mr hogg watson or if i do go i shall go alone we shall see about that when the time comes said cecilia more coquettishly than ever perhaps it was her affectation which made her seem less handsome in jean's eyes to-night than she had appeared in her own house your name is french it is historical there have been great men of that name said mr hogg watson to jean abruptly have you not relatives in france or is it jersey that you come from no we have nothing to do with jersey my ancestors were french said jean delighted at his choice of a subject you speak french very well i suppose i can scarcely speak it at all and i have never been in france said jean rather sorrowfully i'm sure jean you know french almost as well as i do said cecilia with encouraging patronage your little cousin and i were brought up together you know she said turning to the duke at least you know enough to be aware how little you know said the professor ignoring his wife that is a preliminary to learning more 
your name is familiar to me because a man of that name was killed in the boer war are you sure said jeanne much excited my brother was in the boer war but he was certainly not killed not even wounded i am thankful to say surely louise would have heard of it it is as i say said the professor shortly please tell me about it said jeanne abashed we always hoped there might possibly be descendants of charles de Corset, my great-uncle who stayed at home when his brother emigrated louis hoped some day for time and means to search them out he would be so interested to know but how came a frenchman to be fighting for us he was not fighting for us but for the boers for the boers early in nineteen hundred said the professor the french volunteer general de villeboy maruel in command of the foreign legion was killed at boshoff you heard of that i presume yes yes said jeanne breathlessly i was present at his funeral he was a brave man he was buried with military honours some of his companions were killed some wounded and some taken prisoners i helped to attend a wounded prisoner because i happened to speak french fluently his name was de Corset. this conveyed nothing to me at the time of course for i am not aware that i had ever heard your name mentioned she thought he cast a withering glance across the table at cecilia who reddened slightly but was obliged to be silent for the duke had turned towards mr hogg watson and was listening with obvious interest to his recital i remember said the professor he looked only at jeanne's eyes this poor fellow interested me more than the others by his courage were heroism indeed in bearing the pain that i she turned so white that he skilfully changed the ending of the phrase cut as short as possible by placing him under anaesthetics he was devoted to his leader in fact they all were i saw a little gold medal worn by poor d billy boy mariwell inscribed to a great frenchman from the companions of his daughter de Corset told me that his own daughter had been one of these companions and the friend of the poor general's child did he die said jeanne hardly above a whisper it was impossible to save him said the professor his gruff voice was quite kind he was laid by the side of de le maruel as he wished at Boshoff. i must write and tell louise said jeanne he will not lose a moment when he comes home in following up such a clue he will never rest till we find our family did he tell you where his daughter lived or give you messages or letters for her he confided everything of that kind to his comrades no doubt said the professor his things were sent to pretoria with the rest thank you very very much for telling me about it professor said jeanne she forgot her shyness and awe of cecilia's husband and spoke as earnestly and naturally as though she had been addressing louise himself or cousin denise with whom she was quite at her ease mr hogg watson was by no means insensible to the charm of simplicity he thawed completely or perhaps the excellence of the dinner had softened his mood where is this brother may i ask in somaliland jeanne could hardly forbear a reproachful look towards her friend had she not thought it worth while to mention to her husband that louise was now perhaps even at this moment risking his life in the service of his country the professor looked grave it is not a nice place he had only just arrived when he wrote he was in obia and he said it was not nearly quite 
such a bad climate as he expected quite the contrary said jean anxiously he is used to india you know and he has been all through the south african war this will be quite a short expedition louise thinks i hope you will get him home very soon said the professor and this time his voice sounded more cheerful all the smiles and signs of cecilia failed to explain to jean that the moment had now come when a move must be made and that it was upon her that the duty of making it devolved hewitt too stupid to whisper to his young lady the hint that mrs dunham in his place would not have scrupled to bestow brought in coffee and they drank it he handed round cigarettes and cigars and still jean sat quietly on until the tact of her watchful cousin was again exerted on her behalf perhaps cousin jean you will give us leave to smoke down here when you and mrs hogwatson withdraw the light of your presence he said smiling at her across the table oh yes certainly she cried in confusion and cecilia rising very thankfully put her arm through her friends and led her playfully out of the room the duke politely opening the door and closing it behind them my dear didn't you see me i couldn't catch your eye you should have bowed to me long ago but however it doesn't matter cutting short jean's distressed apologies for her unwitting omission i was dying to get away and talk to you i'm simply pining to know what you think of joseph he was quite a prey with you but that is his way you mustn't think anything of it he is always taken with every fresh face he meets and then people think him charming i only wish they knew what he was like at home i assure you he was like a bear in the brougham but i suppose men are always like that with the women they really care for said cecilia with a sharp glance at jean's innocent face he seemed very kind was all poor jean could reply for cecilia's tones made her uncomfortable though she could not tell why as for your poor little lame duke said mrs hogwatson condescendingly he is a nice little thing i quite liked him though he was rather heavy in hand i remember all about his family now one way and another i get to hear most people's history i believe he was mixed up in some gaiety scandal but i may be confusing him with somebody else anyway i know he doesn't get on with his mother i believe she quite hates the sight of him on account of his club foot oh cecilia not really cried jean without pausing to consider whether this item were more likely to be accurate than the rest of cecilia's intelligence no wonder when the others are such fine athletic men said cecilia tossing her head i saw one of them play in a cricket match once that is why i inquired all about the family lord bryan something was his name but he was not born with a club foot said jean bethinking herself he fell downstairs in this very house and injured his spine when he was a little boy and cecilia i think you must be mistaken for nothing could be more friendly than his mother's manner to him when i saw them together do you know the duchess this time the jealousy in cecilia's voice was unmistakable i can't say i know her but i have been to her house to an at-home and she left a card here but she did not ask to come in said scrupulous jane well then of course you know her i wish you would get me an invitation to her house said cecilia bless me jane if only i had your opportunities i should be at the top of the tree in no time and know everyone in london i thought you had so many friends i said 
of a kind said cecilia discontentedly and i have trouble enough to keep even them together i wasted a guinea on an announcement in the morning post hoping it would bring in a few invitations and all that came of it was a shoal of letters for joseph which he won't let me so much as open she looked enviously around the music-room into which jean now conducted her all these pictures must be worth a mint of money you will see joseph will go straight to look at them the instant he comes up here and we shall get no more fun out of him at all however there will be the duke for you and me to talk to it is a pity he is so young do you see much of him by the by with an elaborate carelessness of manner and that sharp side glance of which jean was becoming acutely conscious does he come often he has only been twice before said jean coldly she was vaguely offended by the meaning tone which cecilia adopted in speaking of her kind cousin denise oh why had she asked cecilia here why had she ever sought her out at all would it not have been wiser remembering her as an odious little girl to have shunned her altogether as a woman well i warn you i shall monopolize him when he comes upstairs just as i did at dinner said cecilia with an exasperating laugh if he wants to talk to you you know he can very easily outstay us joseph never stops up late if he can possibly help it the entrance of the duke and mr hogg watson came as a relief and his wife's prophecy was fulfilled for the professor was immediately absorbed in the dutch landscapes cousin denise went straight to the piano and began to play unasked he saw jean's troubled brow and his music presently charmed the shadows from her downcast pensive face but he did not ask her to sing to-night he played quietly on and on nevertheless he did not outstay mr and mrs hogg watson but rose from the piano at half-past ten and bade jean good-night in a very kind and gentle tone mrs hogg watson on the tapestry settee was yawning unrestrainedly she cared neither for pictures nor for music and thought it very rude of jean to attend more earnestly to her cousin's playing than to her friend's whispered confidences of course she is doing her best to catch him but i do not feel sure she will succeed though he is evidently a dreadful prig reflected cecilia as she shook hands warmly with the duke and begged him to call upon her thank you very much you are exceedingly kind he said and jean learnt with surprise that cousin denise could be frigid as well as polite when he chose when they had all gone she sat alone in the silent gallery among the dead marnies of orset the sombre dutch pictures and the modern landscapes which filled the wintry night with visions of summer skies and woods and streams and poppied fields and cried a little softly over the failure of her dinner party i think i never never hated anything so much she thought miserably what was the good of my pretty frock or the beautiful dinner that kept mrs pike and the cook away all night planning it or the trouble poor hewitt took to arrange the daffodils on the table or kind cousin denise coming to help me or anything when cecilia was so horrid oh poor aunt caroline this just shows how very unfit i am to entertain anybody in your beautiful house but it will all be quite different when louise comes home End of chapter thirteen